Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Monday, November 13th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there. Over 60 well-curated podcasts coming from a wide, wide variety of topic area, areas, approaching them all with a biblical worldview. My brothers and sisters in Christ over there doing great, great work. Um, they're, they're just, it's, it is fantastic. I will guarantee you, if you go on over there, you're going to find at least something to listen to. And there's a real good possibility. You're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it. in. And I say that from experience because I can't listen to all the things over there. I want to listen to it. It, it, it is brutal. I mean, I know for first world problems, but it is brutal that, that I don't, I don't have the time in the day to listen to all the things over there, the great listening that is over there. So you, you, I guarantee you're going to find something over there to listen to. So I would continue to encourage you to get on over there. Um, let's see, it is November 13th. So November 13th, it is my oldest son, Trey's 31st birthday. Son, happy birthday. I, I, you, you are, I am so, so blessed that God gifted you to your mother and I, we, we are so very, very blessed and I love being your dad and your brother in Christ. And so I hope you have yourself a wonderful birthday and I'm looking forward to seeing you, you and Rodney, the fourth, his son this evening. So we have, have ourselves a great old time eating pizza and cake. Yum, yum. All right. Well, with it being a Monday morning, we're going to go ahead and continuing on in our Bible reading like we do every day. And then we'll get be for the evening segment. We'll be getting back into our study of John chapter 15, job chapter 15. We're going to be finishing up this section about the vine and the branches, the vine and the branches. And please, we got to pay attention. I'm going to do the best I can. Um, honestly, I'd love to actually back up and take like uh, two weeks to go over this, but, but we really don't have the time because it's this whole vine, um, analogy, the whole vine analogy. I'm sorry. I went blank. I couldn't come up with the word analogy. This whole vine analogy is just so telling of what the relationship between God and Christ and, and those that are saved, the branches, um, and those that are unsaved, the, the, the non-fruitful branches, the non-abiding branches. Um, but like I said, we're going to wrap up that section in the evening segment. So let's go ahead and jump in. I know I'm going running a little long here. Let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to open up with the second day morning prayer. It's called God Overall. Let's pray. O God, all sufficient, thou hast made and upholdest all things by the word of thy power. Darkness is thy pavilion. Thou walkest on the wings of the wind. All nations are nothing before thee. One generation succeeds another, and we hasten back to the dust. The heavens we behold will vanish away like the clouds that cover them. The earth we tread on will dissolve as a morning dream. 
But thou, unchangeable and incorruptible, art forever and ever, God over all, blessed eternally. Infinitely great and glorious art thou. We are thy offspring and thy care. Thy hands have made and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life, and not suffered our feet to be moved. Thy divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Let us bless thee at all times, and forget not how thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles. May thy holy scriptures govern every part of our lives, and regulate the discharge of all our duties, so that we may adorn thy doctrine in all things. Amen. All right, our morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Hey, it's right out of John 15, verse 4. Um, <laughs> and, and it's right out of this section we've been doing, the vine and the branches. So here we go, John 15, verse 4. This is just a part of it. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So let's listen to what Spurgeon has to say about this. How did you begin to bear fruit? It was when you came to Jesus and cast yourself on his great atonement and rested on his finished righteousness. Ah, what fruit you had then. Do you remember those early days? Then indeed the vine flourished, the tender grape appeared, the pomegranates budded forth, and the beds of spices gave forth their smell. Have you declined since then? If you have, we charge you to remember that time of love and repent and do thy first works. Be most in those engagements which you have experimentally proved to draw you nearest to Christ, because it is from him that all your fruits proceed. Any holy exercise which will bring you to him will help you to bear fruit. The sun is, no doubt, a great worker in fruit creating among the trees of the orchard, and Jesus is still more so among the trees of his garden of grace. When have you been the most fruitless? Has not it been when you have lived farthest from the Lord Jesus Christ, when you have slackened in prayer, when you have departed from the simplicity of your faith? when your graces have engrossed your attention instead of your Lord, when you have said, My mountain standeth firm, I shall never be moved, and have forgotten where your strength dwells. Has not it been then that your fruit has ceased? Some of us have been taught that we have nothing out of Christ by terrible abasement of heart before the Lord. And when we have seen the utter barrenness and death of all creature power, we have cried in anguish. From him all my fruit must be found, for no fruit can ever come from me. We are taught by past experience that the more simply we depend upon the grace of God in Christ and wait upon the Holy Spirit, the more we shall bring forth fruit unto God. Oh, to trust Jesus for fruit as well as for life. All right, and that's what Spurgeon has to say about it. And we're, believe me, we're going to talk exactly about that in the evening segment. So please come back. There's a, there's a teaser for you. All right. Well, our reading for today, we're going to be reading, let's see, Ezekiel 27 and 28, Hebrews 11 verses 17 through 31. I think that finishes Hebrews 11, um, that, 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 um, that, uh, hall of heroes, that chapter of heroes in the faith. Um, then Psalm 111 and then Proverbs 27 verses 15 and 16. So Ezekiel 27, hear the word of the Lord. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came to me saying, now as for you, son of man, Take up a lamentation over Tyre, and say to Tyre, who inhabits the entrance to the sea, a traitor of the peoples to many coastlands, Thus says Lord Yahweh, O Tyre, you have said I am perfect in beauty. 
Your borders are in the heart of the seas. Your builders have perfected your beauty. They have made all your planks of fir trees from Sinir. They have taken a cedar from Lebanon to make a mast for you. Of oaks from Bashan they have made your oars. With ivory they have inlaid your deck of boxwood from the coastlands of Cyprus. Your sail was a fine embroidered linen from Egypt, so that it became your standard. Your awning was blue and purple from the coastlands of Elisha. The inhabitants of Sidon and Arved were your rowers. Your wise men, O Tyre, were aboard. They were your pilots. The elders of Gebal and her wise men were with you repairing your seams. All the ships of the sea and their sailors were with you in order to deal in your merchandise. Persia and Lud and Put were in your military force. Your men of war, they hung shields and helmets in you. They set forth your majesty. The sons of Arvad and your military force were on your walls, all around, and the Gamadin were in your towers. They hung their small shields on your walls, all around. They perfected your beauty. Tarshish was your customer because of the abundance of all kinds of wealth. With silver, iron, tin, and lead, they paid for your wares. Javan, Tubal, and Meshech, they were your traders. With the lives of men and vessels of bronze, they paid for your merchandise. Those from Beth Togarma gave horses and war horses and mules for your wares. The sons of Dedan were your traders. Many coastlands were customers at your hand. Ivory tusks and ebony they brought as your payment. Aram was your customer because of the abundance of your goods. They paid for your wares with emeralds, purple, embroidered work, fine linen, coral, and rubies. Judah and the land of Israel, they were your traders with the wheat of Minith, cakes, honey, oil and balm they paid for your merchandise. Damascus was your customer because of the abundance of your goods, because of the abundance of all kinds of wealth, because of the wine of Helbon and white wool. Also Vidan and Javan paid for your wares from Uzal. Wrought iron, cassia, and sweet cane were among your merchandise. Dedan traded with you in saddlecloths for riding. Arabia and all the princes of Kedar, they were customers at your hand, for lambs, rams, and goats. For these they were your customers. The traders of Sheba and Rama, they traded with you. They paid for your wares with the best of all kinds of spices, and with all kinds of precious stones and gold. Haran, Cana, I think Cana, Eden, the traders of Sheba, Ashur, and Chilmad traded with you. They traded with you in choice garments, in clothes of blue and embroidered work, and in carpets of many colors and tightly wound cords, which were among your merchandise. The ships of Tarshish were the carriers for your merchandise, and you were filled and were very glorious in the heart of the seas. Your rowers have brought you into great waters. The east wind has broken you in the heart of the seas. Your wealth, your wares, your merchandise, your sailors and your pilots, your repairers of seams, your dealers in merchandise, and all your men of war who are in you, with all your assembly that is in your midst, with, will fall into the heart of the sea on the day of your downfall. At the sound of the cry of your pilots, the pasture lands will shake. All who handle the oar, the sailors and all the pilots of the sea, will come down from their ships, they will stand on the land and they will make their voice heard over you, and will cry bitterly. They will cast dust on their heads. They will wallow in ashes. Also they will make themselves bald for you, and gird themselves with sackcloth, and they will weep for you in bitterness of soul with bitter mourning. Moreover, in their wailing they will take up a lamentation for you, and lament over you, who is like Tyre, like her who is silent in the midst of the sea. 
when your wares went out from the sea, you satisfied a great number of people, of peoples, with the greatness of your wealth and your merchandise. You enriched the kings of earth. Now that you are broken by the seas in the depths of the waters, your merchandise and all your assembly have fallen in the midst of you. All the inhabitants of the coastlands are appalled at you, and their kings are horribly horrified. They are troubled in countenance. The merchants among the peoples hiss at you. You have become terrified, and you will cease to be forever. Ezekiel 28 The word of Yahweh came again to me, saying, Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Because your heart is lofty, and you have said, I am a god, I sit enthroned in the seat of gods, in the heart of the seas. Yet you are a man and not God, although you make your heart like the heart of God. Behold, you are wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that is a match for you. By your wisdom and understanding, you have acquired wealth for yourself, and have acquired gold and silver for your treasuries. By your great wisdom, by your trade, you have increased your wealth, and your heart is lofty because of your wealth. Therefore thus says Lord Yahweh, because you have made your heart like the heart of God. Therefore, behold, I will bring strangers upon you, the most ruthless of the nations, and they will draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They will bring you down to the pit, and you will die the death of those who are slain in the heart of the seas. Will you still say, I am a God, in the presence of the one who kills you? Though you are a man and not God, in the hands of those who slay you? You will die the death of the uncircumcised, by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken, declares Lord Yahweh. Again the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says Lord, Lord Yahweh, You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets, was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways, from the day you were created, until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lofty because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, I put you before kings, that they may see you. By the abundance of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore I have brought out fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth, in the eyes of all who see you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become terrified, and you will cease to be forever. And the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward Sidon, prophesy against her, and say, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against you, O Sidon, and I will, glor I will be glorified in your midst. Then they will know that I am Yahweh when I execute judgment in her, and I will manifest my holiness in her, for I will send pestilence to her and blood to her streets, and the wounded will fall in her midst by the sword upon her on every side. Then they will know that I am Yahweh, and there will be no more for the house of Israel a prickling briar or a painful thorn from any round about them who scorned them. 
then they will know that I am Lord Yahweh. Thus says Lord Yahweh, when I gather the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and will manifest my boldness, I'm sorry, my holiness in them in the sight of the nations, then they will live in their land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. They will live in it securely and they will build houses, plant vineyards and live securely when I execute judgments upon all who scorn them all around them. Then they will know that I am Yahweh, their God. Right. Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 31. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises were, was offering up his only son, to whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he also received him back. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel, and gave commands concerning his bones. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, regarding the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the rage of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient, after welcoming the spies in peace. Alright, that's where that ends, and, and I was wrong. That's not the end of it. There's more to that chapter. Alright, Psalm 111. Praise Yah, I will give thanks to Yahweh with all my heart, in the council of the upright and in the congregation. Great are the works of Yahweh, they are sought by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness stands forever. He has made his wondrous deeds to be remembered. Yahweh is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has declared to his people the power of his works and giving them an inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are faithful. They are upheld forever and ever. They are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and fearsome is his name. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. Good things belong, good, I'm sorry, good insight belongs to all those who do his commandments. He, his praise stands forever. <laughs> All right, and Proverbs 27, verses 15 and 16. A constant dripping on a day of steady rain, and a contentious woman are alike. He who would restrain her restrains the wind, and grasps oil with his right hand. 
All right. Well, that is our reading for the day. Thank you for spending this time with me. I continue to pray that this time together helps to keep you saturated in the word of God. Again, as I've said before, uh, you and I need to be constantly in the word of God, constantly reading, studying, and meditating on the word of God. Uh, We definitely need to be like, and I bring this up many, many times because it's such a good analogy. Um, But John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, um, his contemporaries used to speak of him and state the fact that if they were to cut him, he would bleed, bleed bibling. He would bleed the Bible because he was so saturated in it. That needs to be you and I. We need every pore of our being needs to be saturated with the word of God. That is how our walk gets shaped so that we truly are imitators of God and imitators of Christ. And that's, that is the whole purpose of it. So, so we need to get in it. So Again, I'm saying, I I hope this helps you. Again, this should not supplant your own reading and studying and meditation. It should come alongside of it. All right. Well, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's go ahead and close out with a prayer. It's the prayer is called a minister's Bible. And again, I've talked to you before. Um, even it was kind of funny. Even pastor Jay in his sermon today was talking about the fact that we are all ministers. We are all ministers. We're not all pastors. We're not all preachers. We're not all teachers, but we are all ministers. We should all have a ministry. That's part of the fruits we're going to be talking about in this, in this evening um, thing. I was talking about it um, Friday evening, but we're talking, going to talk about it this evening um, about the vines and being fruitful vines. Um, So we are all to have a ministry. We are all to be ministers. So a minister's Bible. Let's pray. Oh God of truth. I thank thee for the Holy Scriptures, their precepts, promises, directions, light. In them may I learn more of Christ, be enabled to retain his truth, and have grace to follow it. Help me to lift up the gates of my soul, that he may come in, and show me himself when I search the Scriptures. For I have no lines to fathom its depths, no wings to soar to its heights. By his aid may I be enabled to explore all its truths. Love them with all my heart, embrace them with all my power, and graft them into my life. Bless to my soul all grains of truth garnered from thy word. May they take deep root, be refreshed by heavenly dew, be ripened be ripened by heavenly rays, be harvested to my joy and thy praise. Help me to gain profit by what I read, as treasure beyond all treasure. A fountain which can replenish my dry heart, its waters flowing through me as as a perennial river on drawn by the by thy holy spirit enable me to distill from its pages faithful prayer that grasps the arm of thy omnipotence achieves wonders attains blessings and draws down streams of mercy from it show me how my words have often been unfaithful to thee injurious to my fellow men empty of grace full of folly dishonoring to my calling then write thy own words upon my heart and inscribe them on my lips so shall all glory be to thee in my reading of thy word. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day, day, and I hope to see you for the evening segment. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. 
Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Monday, November 13th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right, we're going to be getting back into our study of John chapter 50, of the Gospel of John and John chapter 15. But let's go ahead, let's just dive right in. Let's go ahead and open up with prayer. Uh, what we're going to open up with is called a minister's preaching, a minister's preaching. Now, again, like I said, we're all called to be ministers. And the fact is, when we're giving the gospel, we're preaching. We're preaching. Now, again, this is specifically for somebody preaching from the pulpit, but actually it could apply to any of us when we're going to give the gospel to folks. And we are called to this. This is not optional. Please don't ever think it's optional for you to evangelize. It is not. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 makes it very, very clear that we are called to do so. So let's pray. My master, God, I am desired to preach today, but go weak and needy to my task. Yet I long that people might be edified with divine truth, that an honest testimony might be born for thee. Give me assistance in preaching and prayer with heart uplifted for grace and unction. Present to my view things pertinent to my subject with fullness of matter and clarity of thought proper expressions, fluency, fervency, a feeling sense of the things I preach, and grace to apply them to men's consciences. Keep me conscious all the while of my defects, and let me not gloat in pride over my performance. Help me to offer a testimony for thyself, and to leave sinners inexcusable in neglecting thy mercy. Give me freedom to open the sorrows of thy people, and to set before them comforting considerations. Attend with power the truth preached and awaken the attention of my slothful audience. May thy people be refreshed, melted, convicted, comforted, and help me to use the strongest arguments, drawn from Christ's incarnation and sufferings, that men might be made holy. I myself need thy support, comfort, strength, holiness, that I might be a pure channel of thy grace, and be able to do something for thee. Give me then refreshment among thy people, and help me not to treat excellent matter in a defective way or bear a broken testimony to so worthy a Redeemer, or be harsh in treating of Christ's death, its design and end, from lack of warmth and fervency, and keep me in tune with thee as I do this work. Amen. All right. And our evening devotion is, from again, from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for November 13th. The text for it is from Luke 18.1. Men ought always to pray. If men ought always to pray and not to faint, much more Christian men. Jesus has sent his church into the world on the same errand upon which he himself came, and this mission includes intercession. What if I say that the church is the world's priest? Creation is dumb, but the church is to find a mouth for it. It is the church's high privilege to pray with acceptance. The door of grace is always open for her petitions, and they never return empty-handed. The veil was rent for her. The blood was sprinkled upon the altar for her. God constantly invites her to ask what she wills. Will she refuse the privilege which angels might envy her? Is she not the bride of Christ? May she not go in unto her king at every hour? Shall she allow the precious privilege to be unused? The church always has need for prayer. There are always some in her midst who are declining or falling into open sin. There are lambs to be prayed for, that they may be carried in Christ's bosom, the strong lest they grow presumptuous, and the weak lest they become despairing. If we kept up prayer meetings four and twenty hours in the day, all the days in the year, we might never be without a special subject for supplication. 
Are we ever without the sick and the poor, the afflicted and the wavering? Are we ever without those who seek the conversion of relatives, the reclaiming of backsliders, or the salvation of the depraved? Nay, with congregations constantly gathering, with ministers always preaching, with millions of sinners lying dead in trespasses and sins, in a country over which the darkness of Romanism is certainly descending, and a world full of idols, cruelties, devilries, if the church doth not pray, how shall she excuse her base neglect of the commission of her loving Lord? Let the church be constant in supplication. Let every private believer cast his might of prayer into the treasury." There we go. All right. Like I said, so we're continuing on in our study of John chapter 15. And we've been in this section about um, the vine and the branches. Um, it's, verses, uh, it's John 15 verses 1 through 11. Um, so you know what? I'm going to go ahead and read that. And then we're going to break down. We're going to dig into what we're working on today. So John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he cleans it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit from, from itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love." If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. All right, so again, we've been dealing, dealing with this analogy of the vine and the branches, and again, we talked about it. Hang on, I need a little bit of water here. And again, we talked about that the analogy here, and again, this is Jesus speaking to the apostles. This is the private ministry. This is the upper room discourse and the, the concept. And again, that's why we've got to kind of got to dig into it and understand it. Cause believe me, as Jesus is saying this to the disciples, to the, to the 11 that are left, they would understand this because of the culture they live in, because of the agrarian culture. And when I say agrarian, that means the farming culture, the, 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 the husbandry culture there, they would understand this analogy. It would make sense. You and I don't typically, I mean, the sad fact is, uh, and I don't know if this is correct, but it sure seems like it, that the majority, the majority of folks in the United States, at least now, we don't farm. We don't, we don't keep our own little gardens or anything like that. So we don't understand it. I mean, there are some, and don't get me wrong. Part of the reason I understand it is because I grew up doing a garden. My dad loved having a garden and my dad would, would have us be part of it. And so I did that kind of thing. My wife and I have done some gardening as well. I mean, and not flower gardening, actual vegetable gardening. So we, we understand it a little bit, but, but you and I need to understand this analogy. And again, like I said, one they would have understood about vines and vine growers and branches and and 
pruning the branches, what a vine dresser does, the pruning of the branches, the pruning of the fruitful branches, and the clearing off of the unfruitful branches and all that. They would have understood that. Um, But they would have also gotten the grasp that the vine analogy, the vine picture is not a new one. That has been around, that had been around at by that point for thousands of years um, of God referring to Israel as the vine being, being that base, that creation of God, that, that vine that he has to prune and shape. Well, the fact is what we end up finding out and getting the hint of as this comes to fruition through Christ, because it did not through the law and God knew that, that it wouldn't, but through the law, it came through Christ, that Christ is the vine and we're the branches. We are those parts of the vine that are supposed to produce fruit. And so that's the analogy we're seeing here. And it's that, that Jesus is the vine, but his father is the vine grower or in some translations, the vine dresser. And like I said before, I prefer vine dresser because vine grower people go, Oh, just a farmer. And, and they, they think of it as, Oh, you know, he plants them. He puts some soil, you know, some fertilizer around them, stuff like that. And then he picks the fruit. Well, no, when, when you start talking about a vine dresser and, and the vine grower does the same thing, but people don't think of it that way. The dressing of the vine, the two key, key functions of a vine, vine dresser, you know, yeah, yeah. They do the planting and, and the fertilizing and the watering and all that, but key to the vine being healthy was removing dead, removing dead branches and trimming the live branches <clears throat> And particularly if they're, if they're a fruit bearing such, particularly trimming the fruit, trimming, trimming the stalks, adjusting them so that they could be more fruitful. And this is what God does. And we've talked about that. He does that with us through our trials and tribulations and through his word. That's how he does that. That's how he cleans us. That's what's spoken of in verse three here. So we talked about the vine and the vine dresser that Jesus being the vine and again, and God being the vine dresser, he's the one that trims and shapes. Okay. For maximum fruitfulness. And then Friday, we talked about the blessings of the abiding branches. And again, so what we talked about and and the branches represent those of us who are saved. Those of us who have a true faith in Christ, a true faith in God. Those are the branches or those are the abiding branches. And again, we talked about the abiding. The abiding is taking up a a permanent residence, taking up a firm residence, living in. Um, and Jesus is very clear about living in him, abiding in him. The What that's meaning, speaking of those abiding branches, is those that truly live in him, those that are truly shaped by Jesus teaching, by the teachings of God that are shaped by the law, that are shaped by the gospel and, and thus their lives change and they become fruitful and they start manifesting fruit. Okay. Um, and a big part of, we notice of that fruit is making disciples. That is a key part of it. And that flows out of the other parts of it. Of course, we, we have the fruits of the spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, and all of that, but all of that comes into making disciples. It forms into making disciples and that's what we're called to be fruitful in is making disciples. That is our key responsibility. That was the key responsibility for these 11. But Jesus knew he was going. Jesus knew at that point, the gospel had only really spread within the area of Israel. 
and it needed to spread throughout the globe. Thus why he was stating this, that it needs to bear fruit further. Okay. Needing to bear fruit further. So there are, there are great blessings. Um, again, those who abide in him can ask whatever they wish and it will be done for you. And again, it's not just, you know, like a genie, I said it, that I said it Friday night. It's not just asking whatever you want, you know, Hey, give me a new car. It, it, it's that, that you're praying. And again, when it speaks of asking, you're praying for, it's praying for what is within the will of God. Okay. It's not using him as a genie. It's that if you truly abide in Christ, then you, then you will be shaped by that and your will will become the will of God. And therefore you will ask that which is within with, which is, which is within the will of God. And thus it will be given to you. Okay. Again, not genie. Um, but again, it, it talks about truly abiding in him, that that makes us fruitful. Um, and that we cannot produce fruit unless we do abide in Christ. So again, that, that brings us to what we're dealing with today, which is the burning of the non-abiding branches. And we see that in verse 2a and verse 6. So I'm going to go ahead and read those now. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's God takes away. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So let, let me clarify a th few things because otherwise it can get really twisted where it says in verse 2a, every branch in me, please understand that's not talking about people that are believers that are unfruitful and and God takes them away. Please understand this. I need to make this clear to you. There is no such thing as an abiding branch as a true saved Christian that is unfruitful. If a person is unfruitful, then they are not the abiding branch. They do not have a saving faith, no matter what they profess. And again, you've got to realize he's stating this in the middle of a system where you've got a bunch of people that are very, very good at the outward forms of religion, but they're not truly saved. They're not truly his. I mean, I'm sorry. The fact is the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the particularly the chief priests, the scribes, their religion is false. They have so warped it that the fact is they should have known better than anybody else that Jesus was the Christ, but they were great at, 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 um, the forms of religion without having a true faith. Again, they, they are the ones, um, when you talk about, um, those, those that come and knock at the door and saying, Lord, Lord, and you know, Jesus calls them out. What are you, what are you saying? Lord, Lord. You know, and hey, hey, we, you know, we cast out demons for you. We fed the poor. We did this and this and this for you. And he's like, be gone. I never knew you Um, again. And, and we see that we see that in the church today. I'm, I'm sorry. I see churches out there and they run around doing good deeds. And, and don't get me wrong. Those good deeds are great. I'm glad they're doing good deeds, you know, feeding the homeless, um, you know, stuff like that. That's great. But if your motivation's not right, if you're just checking the boxes and, and you know how you're not, how you're just checking the boxes is if you're not sharing the gospel, I'm sorry. The fact is if you are not sharing the gospel, I, you know, it's great to feed the homeless. I think that's wonderful, but you know, what's more important than them having a meal is them being given the gospel because their immortal soul is more important 
than them having a ham and cheese sandwich. Yes, I know they're hungry and they need to eat. Believe me and believe me, I've never had to experience what they're experiencing. Okay, so I'm not trying to belittle what they're experiencing. But you can feed them all day. But if you don't bring them the gospel, then you are like that watcher on the wall in Ezekiel where it speaks of the fact that if you're the watcher on the wall and you see doom coming and you don't warn them, then they'll die in their sin, but their blood is on your head. So that's the thing you can go, you can go down and feed, feed the, um, feed the homeless, um, give to the poor, the orphan, the widow and all that. But if you're not bringing them the gospel, thus giving them the warning, then their blood's on your head. Their blood's on my head. So I, I'm sorry. That is unfruitful. That is the unfruitful br branch. Again, that's the thing. It's about making disciples. If I, you know, I can, I can run around doing all kinds of good deeds. That's the forms of religion. I mean, I mean, again, he, he, um, you know, Jesus says to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests and the scribes about the, you know, you, you, um, tithe dill and cumin and whatever else. But, th but then and I forget what else it says, but basically goes, you should do both. He, what he was trying to get across there is that they, they were, they were donating and sacrificing to meet the forms. They weren't doing it to show a saving faith in Christ. That's, that's like, that's like you and I getting baptized just because it looks good. And truly I got baptized as a believer. I had been christened as a child. Okay. But when I became a believer, I didn't just do it for the show. I did it as a display of my obedience to Christ. Again, that's what we're speaking of here is the non-abiding branches. So when this says every branch in me, it means every branch attached, every branch trying to make a show of religion without having a true fa saving faith. And those will not bear fruit. So he said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. God takes away. He's going to remove them. Um, those are the tares among the wheat. Like I said, those making a show of religion. Those are the tares among the wheat. That's how it's spoken of in the New Testament. Goes on verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Again, if they do not abide in Christ, meaning they do not have a saving faith. They, they do not, they are not planting themselves in Christ. They are not staying, um, within Christ. They are not staying in the word. They're not being shaped by the word. They're not coming to a true saving faith. Um, at best they're putting on a show. They get piled up as dry branches. They get gathered up and they're thrown in the fire. That's what they would do when the, when the, when the vine dresser would come through. It would find the dead, dead limbs. It would cut them away from the vine. Therefore, no, no further nutrient would go in there and there'd be more air there. I mean, there's more airspace. There's nothing cluttering around the fruitful branches, those that are abiding. Um, and there's no blockage of the sun. So it's getting more sun, being able to do more photosynthesis to generate more nutrients for itself and to feed itself by those being removed, those get removed, they get stacked up, they get thrown in the fire and they're, they are burned. And again, this is, this is an Im, Im, implication. And I don't think it necessarily just Jesus is applying this, but you turn around and think of it. That's like a fire on the day of judgment. 
the lake of fire that those whose names are not in the, the lamb's book of life are thrown into the fire are thrown into the pit of fire. <clears throat> the one speaks of the other. I mean, it really does. I mean, that it's, they're thrown into the fire. They're thrown away because they are not true branches. So that's what I'm saying to you here is that if we truly abide in him, meaning we truly have a saving faith in Christ, we must manifest fruit. We must truly be fruitful and we are not fruitful if we're sitting there holding down a pew or a chair, like in our church, we have chairs that, that latch together, just holding down a chair on a Sunday and a Wednesday, a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night. And maybe we do a little bit of Bible reading during the week, but we do nothing else. Yes, we need to do those, but there's so much more that you and I must be doing. We must be feeding the sheep. We must, we must be providing. And I know I'm not saying everybody's a preacher or a pastor, but the fact is there are so many out there. Again, we are called to take the gospel to all the ends of the earth. And I'm not saying you got to pick up and you got to run off to some third world country. I've said it before. There are more than enough people right in your own neighborhood. I will guarantee you there are more than enough people within 10 miles of where I live to keep me busy evangelizing for the rest of my life. I will guarantee it. So how do I have any excuse? How do any of us have any excuse to not go out and be fruitful? And again, please understand, and this has been something I've had to get used to in the idea of evangelizing. It's not up to you to save them. It is up to you to take them the gospel. That's bearing fruit. That taking them the gospel, truly taking them the gospel because you love Jesus, you abide in him, you abide in God, and you have your joy in him. And because you love your neighbor as yourself, you love your fellow man. And we are called to love them. I'm sorry, if you're running around hating everybody around you, that's a problem. That is sin. And, and don't get me wrong. There's enough, there's enough stuff going on out there that you see on the news. And again, my wife and I don't watch the news news. We got rid of all that, but there's enough protesting and stuff going on out there by people who ought to know better that it makes it very, very hard not to be angry at them and not to dislike them and not even to come to a point to hate them. But they are the mission field. We are to love them. We are to take the gospel to them. That's being fruitful. That's what the abiding branches do. If you're not doing that, if we're not doing that, if our churches are not doing that, then we are the non-abiding branches. And God will remove us. And we will be gathered up and thrown into the fire. Because he never knew us. He never knew us. And again, I don't say that to, to bring you down, but I, I say that to say there are so many out there running around thinking they're doing because they're doing all these works, but these works flow out of being, being religious, having a form of religion and not truly abiding in Christ. And I, and I don't get me wrong. I see it all around me and I see it across our country that there's an awful lot of form of religion out there with no meat to it, no heart to it, no real soul to it, no real abiding in Christ, no real abiding in the vine. 
And that can't be us. And I would beg you that it not be you. All right. That's going to do it for this evening. I thank you for spending this time with me. I continue to pray that this time together helps to helps you to grow in your knowledge and your understanding of the scripture. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful evening. I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Uh, let's go ahead and we're going to close out with prayer. We're going to close out with the second day evening prayer. It's called bounty. Let's pray. Thou great and only potentate, thou hast made summer and winter, day and night. Each of these revolutions serves our, our welfare and is full of thy care and kindness. Thy bounty is seen in the relations that train us, the laws that defend us, the homes that shelter us, the food that builds us, the raiment that comforts us, the continuance of our health, members, senses, understanding, memory, affection, will. But as stars fade before the rising sun, thou hast eclipsed all these benefits in the wisdom and grace that purposed redemption by Jesus thy Son. Blessed be thy mercy that laid help on one that is mighty and willing, one that is able to save to the uttermost. Make us deeply sensible of our need of his saving grace, of the blood that cleanses, of the rest he has promised, and impute to us that righteousness which justifies the guilty, gives them a title to eternal life and possession of the Spirit. May we love the freeness of salvation and joy in its holiness. Give us faith to grasp thy promises that are our hope. Provide for every exigency and prevent every evil. Keep our hearts from straying after forbidden pleasures. May thy will bind all our wishes. Let us live out of the world as to its spirit, maxim, manners, but live in it as the sphere of our action and usefulness. May we be alive to every call of duty, accepting without question thy determination of our circumstances and our service. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful evening, and I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good one. God bless. Music